Welcome to the Thrive Church weekly message. We hope you enjoy this podcast and we pray that it blesses you. For any information on this sermon or our other resources, visit thrivechurch.co.nz. Johnson. By the way, Bill Johnson has written a book called God is Good, which is an amazing book. If you don't have it yet, then get it. We're actually buying some copies for the church library, so you'll be able to borrow them, and we're going to get some spares too if anyone wants to buy it. It's the kind of book you want to own so you can go back to it. We're also going to buy the resource for um, our life groups so that they can run through the series too. It's going to be good. We're going to get this. Um, So Bill Johnson says this at the start of his book, as you consider this priceless subject called God's goodness, I do pray you will join me in never sacrificing what you know about God to the questions that remain unanswered. Not sacrificing the truth about who God is to the questions. So let's let's not choose to allow the questions just to become bigger than what we know about God. I was talking with someone about this topic earlier in the week and they said, of course, when we're asked if God is good, we say yes, especially as Christians, we say, yes, you know, that's the right answer. It says so in the Bible, so, you know, that's a good answer to give. But how many of us really believe it in here? Actually, for ourselves, do we really believe it? When I was young, I would have said with absolute 100% conviction, yes, God is good. But then life happened, you know, things happened. Um, so when I had an anxiety disorder in my early 20s, and I felt like my life was over, when we miscarried two babies, when dad was sick, when my grandma was sick and she was dying. I know when one of our kids was suffering from eczema so badly that we had to hold her hands at night so she would go to sleep and not itch so much that she'd make herself bleed. You know, and so many other big and smaller th- things along the way of just seeing people suffer. It's caused my trust in the goodness of God to you know, take a dip for a while, or sometimes a bit longer. And the, even though I could see touches of God's goodness still in these moments... My trust in the goodness of God was just kind of like chipped away a little bit, like just a little bit eroded. And there were times when I did something like this, and I built a wall between me and God. And and that wall, just to try and protect my heart, just to make me feel safe, but it doesn't actually work. Walls don't work. All they do is they make us feel separate from God and lost. There's been other times when I've done something like this next picture, I've wanted to do this, just bury my head in the sand. You know, when the questions seem so big and I just don't have the answers, it's easier just to pretend they don't exist and just like hide. I think some of you might be able to relate to that. So what do we do with all of this? Um, Yesterday I was talking with Glenn about um, Ground Zero and how we can kind of relate that to this. Um, Ground zeros, like a place of impact, a place where a disaster is acute, you know, maybe an earthquake, um, often a war or an act of terror. And what had been previously built at ground zero may have looked immovable or unshakable. That picture is actually outside Buckingham Palace in World War II, just by the by. Um, So in a disastrous moment, what had appeared sure and solid can be wiped out. Then eventually a decision is made. Will that area be just left as is? Maybe it will be cleared. Maybe a monument put there. Or will it be rebuilt on with something stronger and more solid than before? 
you know, in our own lives, our own story, we have those moments of impact and of pain and maybe where something really hard has happened and I don't want to at all diminish um, that or make light of it. You know, maybe what we knew to be sure about God, about who he is, about um, his goodness has been shaken or maybe has crumbled. What will we do with that? Will we just leave it? Or will we allow God to come into it? Will we allow his healing in? And will we allow him to come and build something even stronger and better in our lives than before? What will we do with our own ground zeros? So over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking a bit more about dealing with the pain, dealing with those ground zeros, and a little bit more about those questions that we have. But today's going to be a bit more around just laying more foundation around the goodness of God, around his character. Now, if you were here last week, you would have heard Glenn talk about God's goodness as shown in creation. He talked all about um, God's heart, his character being seen in all he created. You know, the preciseness with which God placed our planet so that it would be in the optimal position for life, for it to thrive. The fact that he even knows when a sparrow falls to the ground. You know, all these things, so much in creation shows the goodness of God. It all does. He talked about famous artworks and how they each carry a unique expression of the artist. Who the artist is comes alive in the artwork. And this world is an expression of who God is. You know, the Bible says that we are God's masterpiece. We show the intent of his goodness. Creation speaks to the goodness of God. So I'm going to follow on from that today. Um, and we're going to talk about what we know through the Word of God and the revelation of the Holy Spirit about the Father's intent for us and for this planet through His story. And this is going to be quick overview stuff because there's actually a lot to say on that. So His story for us began with creation. His story runs right throughout the Bible, but it doesn't end there. It includes us. It includes our part. And we each have our own story happening as well along the way. We're each a part of His story and we each have our own story. What does our story look like? What do we want it to look like? What's his story all about? So let's start with his story. The Bible is amazing. You know, it's filled with so much wisdom. There's poetry, there's romance, there's drama. There's also war, danger, violence. There's peace, there's joy. You know, so much that kind of, so many things and so many things that kind of feel like contradictions, like one thing over here and one thing way over there. And how do we make sense of all that? So today we're going to like take a step back, and I guess or you could say take a step up and have a bird's eye view on God's story. So rather than examining each little minute detail of what's going on, and in that maybe losing the context or the framework, we're going to take a step back and look at it as a whole story, his story, the story of God's love for mankind. That includes women as well. We're just going to use mankind, man here, because it's just too hard to do it all. So the story of God's love for man, of his heart and his plan for us and for the world. So let's start with Jesus. And we've got an amazing verse here in John chapter 1 from the Passion Translation. Um, and just where it says here, living expression, that's just referring to Jesus. Here we go. In the very beginning, the living expression was already there. And the living expression was with God, yet fully God. They were together, face to face, in the very beginning. And through his creative inspiration, this living expression made all things, for nothing has existence apart from him. Life came into being because of him, for his life is light for all humanity. 
And this living expression is the light that bursts through the gloom, the light that darkness could not diminish. Love those words. So Jesus was there at the very beginning. Everything was created through him. He is God, and he is the light for this planet. Like we said, he bursts through the gloom. He brings hope. He brings life. He brings love. And then also, 2,000 years ago, he stepped onto this planet. So Jesus steps into the world, and I love the recount in Luke where it says what happens next. So he's born, and then the angels appear to the shepherds. So the first thing that is recorded as being said to men after Jesus is born is this. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Then they begin to praise God and say, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. That Greek word goodwill in this um, means delight, kindness, wish, purpose. Amazing that the first words after Jesus' birth addressed fear and then they declared good news. Emphasis on the word good. And peace and goodwill towards man. That is God's plan for us. His plan, his purpose for us is good towards each one of us. Jesus came and through him, God showed his intent for the world. You know, Jesus is the ultimate and the true representation of the heart of God. He lived the character of God. And the word of God says this. It says that Jesus only did what he saw his father doing. The father healed, Jesus healed. The father bound up the brokenhearted, Jesus bound up the brokenhearted. The father declared favor, Jesus declared favor. The father set captives free, Jesus set captives free. So I think most of us, when we're talking about the goodness of God, we'll probably agree that Jesus is good, you know, that his character is good, that he lived out the goodness of God. But let's take a step a bit further back now. And we're going to look at, um, we're going to start with creation. We've got creation in the fall, then Israel, and that just meaning God's intent and his purposes towards man. We'll talk a bit more about that, his plan to show the world his goodness through the nation of Israel. Then we're going to talk about a bit, a bit more about Jesus and then back to us. So creation, perfect harmony, peace, shalom, perfect relationship. That was how it was supposed to be forever, us walking and talking with God face to face. How amazing would that have been? And humans were given this mission. We weren't just going just to sit out there and you know, talk face to face with God, which was good, but to go out, to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth. God gave Adam and Eve the job of bringing the planet under his dominion. That was the mission, together with God, humankind extending his goodness throughout the planet. This was supposed to be done out of that close relationship with God, out of that intimacy with him, taking dominion, rulership of the planet through love. Then we have the fall, which we've all heard about this before, that time when sin entered the planet. Now, Satan caused Eve to doubt. He said to her, did God really say that? He caused her to question God's character. All he did was actually cause her to question God. He told her a lie, and then she empowered it by actually acting on it, and then Adam followed suit. And at that moment, when sin entered, creation came under a curse. Darkness entered the world. Disease, poverty, natural disasters, demonic influence. Mankind's perfect connection with God was broken as man tried to hide from God. But... I'm glad there's a but. God's original intent and his heart for mankind didn't change in that moment. 
even though he had to remove them from the Garden of Eden because he couldn't let them eat from the tree of, the, um, of life when they'd eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He couldn't let them live forever. But he still loved them. He made garments for them to cover them, even though they didn't deserve it. He gave them his undeserved covering. And he never said to them, I'm not going to be in relationship with you anymore. That wasn't part of it. I have this question at the back of my mind too. And I'm going to ask God one day when I get to heaven. I'm going to say, God, what would have happened if Adam and Eve, instead of running and hiding, had actually come to you and said, Father, we just got it so wrong. We just totally mucked up and we are just so sorry. Now, what would have happened? Would the outcome have looked different? I don't know. I'm going to ask him one day. So sin entered and sin has consequences. Bill Johnson talks about it this way. Sin is so severe that it is terminal in every single case. It cannot be overlooked. The presence and power of sin have scarred all that God has made. Judgment has to happen because God is holy. He is perfect in beauty with undefiled purity, completely separate from all that is dark and evil, and totally driven by love in all actions, thoughts, and intentions. Sin violates and contaminates all that he's made, creating a breach between creator and creation. Judgment had to be released because he is love. Love requires action. Love requires judgment. Love chooses the best. Love doesn't choose what simply feels good to us. No, God couldn't tolerate sin. He couldn't have any part of it. Sin had caused that gap, and he had to judge it. There's this really cool quote that I read, though, on the whole judgment thing. It's by Mike Bickle, and he says, All of God's judgments are aimed at whatever interferes with love. Let's read that again. All of God's judgments are aimed at whatever interferes with love. He didn't judge because he just wanted to judge. He wasn't judging people so much as he was actually judging sin, those things that separated us from him. So sin has consequences, consequences to this planet, consequences of separation from God, um, and as well as those, the consequence that man's authority to rule was relinquished at that time. But God's plan of redemption immediately kicked in, yay. Jesus would come to this earth and he he would seek and save all that was lost. So Jesus' pardon the redemption plan didn't happen immediately at this point, but everything started pointing towards Jesus. In the Old Testament, the law and the prophets, they all declared what Jesus would come and do. So from this point on in the Old Testament, we keep seeing the struggle of mankind, them trying to connect with God, getting it right for a while, then failing miserably and turning their backs from God and trying to do it their own way. We see the consequences of sin on the planet, toil, sickness, disease, oppression, the evil that was present on the planet. But there's still hope even there right throughout the story. Like I said, everything still points to Jesus, the Messiah coming, and God's intent is still seen in the stories that follow. We have Israel, the nation of Israel. So Abraham is um, the father of the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel came out of him. And God's intent is seen here. God sees Abraham. He calls him out and he says to him, I will bless you to be a blessing. In Genesis 12, he says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. God chose a man. He chose a nation to bless the whole earth. And you know, that's still the same heart and desire that God has today for each one of us, for his church to be blessed and then bless others. The nation of Israel and the church today 
was called to be a people that would display God to others. It talks about this in Deuteronomy 4, that other nations would know God, that Israel and the church would point the way to God. No, but the struggle continued. Like we talked about, man continuing to choose his own way, trying to do it right, not succeeding. And then God gave his people the law. And often when we think of the law, like we think of laws today and think of the Ten Commandments and all the, I don't know how many, probably thousands more maybe of laws in the Old Testament, we think of them as harsh and kind of like just a whole lot of do this, don't do that. But the law can also actually be seen as an extension of God's grace. He gave his people rules to live by so that they, to help them live a, a good life. And on a side note, you know, some of the rules he gave were around things like health and hygiene, you know, how to um, stop the spread of bugs, things that doctors thousands of years later were only just learning. Um, he gave them laws about things like how to best look after the planet, the soil, letting things rest, rotating crops, things that, you know, taken us a long time to learn. So all of this took place in the Old Testament. There's a lot of other things as well we've just kind of like skipped through very quick there. And when we look at the Old Testament, because there's so much in it, we can often see it as confusing and contradicting. Like I said earlier, the stories of judgment, war, destruction especially. You know, for some of us, our reaction to that might be, oh, let's just read the books we understand, the ones that make us feel good, like Psalms and Proverbs, maybe Esther and Ruth, and I don't know what other ones you guys like, but you know... Judges, Jared likes judges, of course. And for me, that's probably what I've tended to do a lot of the time, just read the nice ones. Or maybe we just try and ignore the parts that we don't understand, kind of like that ostrich that had his head buried in the sand earlier. And I definitely don't have all the answers for this, but I just want to share with you a little bit around the purpose of the Old Testament. Because there's four main things that the Old Testament does, and these things are helpful for us in understanding the goodness of God through his story. So first of all, the Old Testament reveals the severity of sin, just how bad it is, and the fact that it has consequences. The second thing it does is it shows how hopeless humanity is to save itself. Right throughout the Old Testament, we can see that it just didn't work for people to do it on their own. We can't do it on our own. We can never just live up to those standards of being good enough on our own. The Old Testament also shows that we need a saviour. And it points to Jesus as the only solution for our brokenness. That's the purpose of the Old Testament. Now, Jesus shows us how lost we are so that we will turn to him. He is our solution. And there's all this big picture stuff here. But all the way through the Bible, woven in and out of all the amazing verses there, the Bible is full of stories and verses that show God's heart, his intent for man. I'm just going to share a couple of them with you. There's Lamentations 3. There's so many, but these are just a couple of my favorite. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. From Isaiah 41. I took you from the ends of the earth, from its furthest corners, I called you. I said, you are my servant, I have chosen you and have not rejected you. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And then the Psalms, and it's just so totally jam-packed full of verses about God's goodness, his love, his mercy, his faithfulness. And then back to Jesus. 
back to where we started. Jesus, when he walked on this planet, his actions, everything about him, his words showed the love of God, God's intent, his goodness. And time and time again, the stories of him healing, here's an example. When Jesus healed the two blind men on the side of the road, it doesn't say, Jesus healed so he could show everybody how powerful and awesome he was. Uh, And it doesn't say, Jesus healed because it was the right thing to do. It says this, Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight and followed him. Jesus did all that he did out of compassion, out of love, out of a character of goodness. And he did all this because he knew the Father and he saw the Father doing it. There's another amazing quote by Bill Johnson, which we're going to put up there. Whatever you think you know about God that you can't find in the person of Jesus, you have reason to question. Jesus Christ is the fullest and most precise revelation of the Father and his nature that could ever be made known. Jesus Christ is perfect theology. He is the will of God personified. He is perfect theology. Any other theology that doesn't line up with the life of Jesus is not good theology. So that's his story. Like we talked about creation, mankind falling short, God pursuing relationship with us, redemption through Jesus. But like I said, we're part of all of this as well. And we each have our own story. So let's look at us for a minute. What does our story look like? What do we want our story to look like? How do I respond to his story? And I talked earlier about how my foundation of knowing the goodness of God was shaken. My trust in the goodness of God was just chipped away a little bit through circumstances. But what do I do about that? Do I just leave my ground zeros as is? Or do I let God rebuild the foundations to build something stronger? The next thing I'm going to say might sound a little bit heavy or challenging, but I just want to give an illustration because... First of all, I love you guys. I love this church. You're an amazing people. And my heart and the heart of the leaders here is for absolute freedom, wholeness, living life to the fullest for every single person here. Secondly, I just want us to live the life that God has for us because there's so many people outside here that need to know that God is good. So I don't want my life story to sound like this. Debbie received Jesus as her saviour. She began to know and understand his love and his goodness. But circumstances happened. Loss happened. Things were hard. Her soul was hurt. And the questions came. Debbie began to doubt my goodness. She doubted my character. She doubted who I was. She started to build a wall between us. And while I never stopped loving her, and she didn't stop loving me, she was even able to do lots of good works that I'd prepared for her. But she missed out on having that face-to-face connection with me. She didn't let me behind her wall and missed out on living life to the full. She missed out on truly representing me to this planet. She could have seen so much more. I don't want that for my story. I don't want that for your story. So my story so far has looked like those ups and downs in knowing the goodness of God. And there's been bumps. Like I said, my foundation was shaken. But the thing with God is he doesn't leave us in our pain. If we allow him in, he can come and heal those places. And another amazing thing about him is he is always taking us from glory to glory for deeper and deeper understanding and revelations. 
something that I suddenly realised probably about two years ago was that I fully believed God was good for everybody else. But for myself and for my family, I just kind of had this little niggling doubt. And so I've continued to be on this journey with God, handing the doubts to him, pouring my heart out to him, and continuing to choose to move towards him. And I know that's going to be a lifelong journey. And as for me, it's going to be for each one of us, just continuing to move towards him through the hard times as well. You know, in my story of understanding God's goodness, this is some of what he's shown me. I'm just going to put this up here as well. Firstly, don't let my circumstances define my theology about God's goodness. Let Jesus define our theology about God's goodness. Don't let my questions become bigger than what I know to be true about God. Continually choose to move towards him, even more so when I have doubts or when there's pain in my life. And to pursue a greater understanding of him, to know him, to know his character, to study him, to study what the Bible says about him, to spend time with him. God's story, his story, is a story of love and of goodness. His heart towards every single person here today is goodness. He has goodwill towards each of you. And how are we going to respond to that today? I'm not talking about having it all sorted, but is there one small step that God's asking from each of us? You know, we need to invite God in to shine his light on our wrong beliefs, those wrong theologies around him. We need to invite him into the pain. Maybe we need to just let go of some of those questions. Maybe they've become become too big and we just need to let them go. Maybe we need to decide that we're going to start studying the Bible, spending time with him. Or maybe we need to just choose that we're going to move closer to him. No, God loves each of us so much. His heart for us is good. His plan for us is good. It always has been. It always will be. And I just wonder in this moment if we can just stand together and just take a wee moment just between you and God. Let's just close our eyes. It's just a couple of questions that we're just going to ask God and just see what He has to say to us. The first question, just in your heart, just ask God this. God, what are you asking me to do today? around understanding more about your goodness. What do you want me to do with this? I just believe God's going to show you maybe just one thing. And then if you can just ask God, God, is there anything you want me to know about you? Let me just pray for you. God, I thank you for your people. God, I thank you for your incredible, huge heart of love towards every single person here. God, I thank you today that your heart towards them is a heart of goodness, that you have goodwill towards every single person here. And God, just in the things that you've shown us of how we can move into a deeper understanding of your goodness, 
And God, I just ask for your grace just to enable us to do this, just to enable us to step closer to you, even in the middle of pain. God, we just invite more of your revelation. Holy Spirit, we just ask you just right now, in this moment, just to come and just breathe your revelation on every single person here, every single one of us, so that we would understand more and more about who you are, not knowing it just in our head, God, but knowing it in our heart, being fully convinced of your love for us, being fully convinced of your goodness towards us. And God, I just extend your blessing and your goodness over every person here, over every situation that they're facing, God. Your goodness, your plans, your intents being made perfect in our lives. God, we just declare that we are a people that is going to stand on that foundation of the fact that you are good. We're going to live life from that way, God, and we're going to continue to move towards you, continue to move towards greater understanding of your goodness. And God, we want to be those people that represent you well to those around us, that represent your heart, your intent. In Jesus' name. I just while we've still got our eyes closed, just want to um, give an opportunity for anybody here who, you know, maybe your story, your own life hasn't been part of God's story. Maybe you've never made that decision to say, yes, God, I just want to, I want to walk with you. I want to give my life to you. And in a moment, we're just going to give you that opportunity. Maybe you've said that before, but you've turned away. Maybe life's got too hard and it's just been easier just to turn your back on him. And today, God's just calling you to turn back towards him. He's never turned away from you. He's still looking at you. God wants relationship with every single person. He wants us to to have the best life possible with him, to be walking and understanding who he is, his love and his goodness. And if that's you here this morning and you're just saying, yep, I just haven't ever said yes to you, God. I haven't said yes to being in relationship with you and I want to do that. Then I just encourage you just to lift your hand now just as a sign between you and God saying, God, I'm choosing to step towards you today. I'm choosing to invite you into my life. If that's you, just lift your hand to him now. Or maybe if you're saying, hey, I've done this before, but I need to do it again. I need to just turn back towards you, God, and I need to let you in. And if you just want to lift your hand to God, just quickly now as a sign to him. Thank you, God. God's heart is for good towards each of us today. Thank you, God. Just one more moment. If anybody today just wants to say, yeah, I want to walk in relationship with God. Cool. All right, let's just pray together. We're just going to, each one of us, pray this out loud and make this prayer our own. Father, I come to you today. And I realize that I need you. I can't do this on my own. Jesus, I thank you for saving me, 
for making me whole, healed, delivered, and free today. And Jesus, I invite you into my life. I want to make my story part of your story. I want to live for you. Thank you, Jesus. And God, I just thank you for your grace right now on those people that have responded. I just thank you for your supernatural, empowering Holy Spirit. I thank you for your just continuing to, to bring revelation and understanding of your goodness today. In Jesus' name. And we're just going to sing um, another song. And as we do that, if there's anybody here today that especially wants prayer around understanding the goodness of God, then I just invite you just to come up the front and the ministry team will be here to pray for you. You know, maybe you've realized that as we've been talking, there are lies that you've, that you've been carrying around and you don't want them anymore and you just want someone to stand with you, then we'll do that. Maybe you just need some healing, then we'll stand with you on that. Maybe you just need to know God's goodness in specific situations in your life. I encourage you just to come up the front and the ministry team will stand with you on that. So just come now as we sing this next song.